What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. We're here for another week of it. Our episode this week, we're going to be having Joel Strickland on. Um, I'm sure lots of you guys know him from surviving duck season as well as Elliot's um, recent trip out there to Cypress Crossing. And, uh, you know, maybe even some of you know him from his filming industry uh, productions. So, uh, should be a good one. Stay tuned. We're definitely pumped for that. But before that, um, let's go ahead and give a big thanks to our partners of the Duck Gun Podcast. Um, Elliot, take it away. Well, guys, I have started using Boss Shot Shells this year. I've used it from teal season now to the end of the season. And, you know, I, I know there was a lot of hype around it um, when it came out. And I was really excited just to get it in my hands and see what I thought. And I can certainly tell the difference. Um, less cripples, birds going down. Just it seems like birds go down easier um, than with steel. This is American-made product, high-density, high-quality. Um, smaller shot size and they're actually copper coated which what that does is it 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 helps the shot um, keep its shape longer which makes less little flyers so it just keeps a better pattern boss shot shells check it out grab yourself a box or two and see what you think for yourself but i can tell you after a year i am definitely a fan awesome <clears throat> awesome um, also, like to give a big thanks out to HTR Innovations. As many of you know, I uh, do work for HTR Innovations. And, um, you know, a lot of awesome things we can say about their products. American-made as well. Um, their three main products are the HTR A-Frame, which just got done this week, shooting some geese in the middle of a field, perfectly brushed in. Um, we did great with double A-Frames. Um, also, Quack Pack, new this year. Your layout blind decoy backpack combo, great for getting out to public land spots or fields like um, getting out your gear and everything you need all at once. Um, and then, honestly, my, my personal favorite is the HDR gun stand. It's perfect for hunting in the marshes, rivers, ponds, whatever it is. Um, you know, if you guys watched uh, my videos, you guys have seen me using it a lot. It's just perfect for getting your gun up there. I put my blind bag on it. I uh, put my game strap across it. And you can literally sit in the marsh, in the water, and keep everything out of the water. Um, you know, and it's definitely a pain when you get your, your blind bag wet. Or even for me, I hate getting the ducks wet and all that. So, um, and, you know, obviously the main reason is keeping your gun out of there and cycling and out of the grit and dirt and all that. So definitely check them out. Um, you got a, a promo code for you guys. It is duck space gun, and it gives you 10% off and free shipping on anything on their website. So uh, definitely... Go and check those guys out. And Jordan, I just loaded up my gun stand just tonight for this. We got two weekends left of duck season. We're taking a big trip out west, and I loaded up actually the A-frame. I loaded up the two layout pads, and I loaded up the gun stand. Oh, man, uh, those, those products, guys, seriously, those products HTR make you really versatile in, in your duck hunting. Awesome. Uh, another product I want to talk with you about is Motion Ducks. It is a jerk rig setup on steroids. It is easy to use. You can have a four duck or a seven duck spreader system. It is lifelike motion. Uh, you really need to just Google it and look at some of the videos, guys. Once you see this, you're probably going to be like, yeah, I've seen that. I've always wanted to go get it. It is worth it. Um, it just makes the jerk rig. It's more effective and easier to use. Also, product code there is all caps, duck gun. No spaces. Ten percent off, free sh shipping, and a free anchor bag. Go check it out. Yeah, and, and kind of to double up on that one. Uh, last, um, last thing I want to say about it is, 
I uh, used it a ton during duck season. Really quickly became a must-have when I was packing up my gear, getting the motion of the duck set. But have you tried it for uh, for goose a uh, goose spread at all? No, I have not. And so I know I'm going out um, for a lot of these late season goose hunting trips, and you know you got to have motion for that as well. And um, you know that's something I'm curious and excited to try out as well. I know we had them been on the podcast before, and they said that they uh, did wonders as well for them doing um that with goose spread so that'll be something that i'm interested to test out as well um moving on to the the last but not least we'd like to give a big thanks out to bandit avery and greenhead gear um you know talking about the decoys they got goose spread they got uh goose shells they got duck decoys they got everything you need as far as making your spread um you know it's also Elliot and I are a big fan of the waders. Banded 2.0 is what we've both been wearing. If Once you go to breathable, you probably will never wear neoprene again. Um, so I'm 40 hunts strong, actually 42 on mine, and they're still going strong. Um, and then last thing I want to talk about is the backpack. Hard shell backpack. Um, take out so much more gear and a really efficient way. So definitely a big fan of all that. Uh, definitely go check those guys out, banded.com. You can check everything out there. Um, and then also guys, big thanks to you guys showing up week after week. Definitely couldn't do it without you guys. Um, you're the backbone of the community, as I like to say. So anyways, guys, I think right now is a good time to go ahead and bring Joe in and go right into the podcast. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. I got my co-host alongside me, as usual, the Ducktator and his Ducktating style and <laughs> already off to a hot hot start tonight so uh thanks for joining us and our guest for tonight is joel strickland and joel strickland he is known um for his work in the filming industry he was the creator of a popular outdoor tv series called the adventure bound outdoors as well as he is an arkansas hunting guide from cypress crossing as well as the creator of the youtube channel that i'm sure many of you have seen this season um surviving duck season how are you doing tonight joel hey i'm doing great thanks for having me guys now joel you heard the conversation before we started the podcast and you that you heard the way that jordan <laughs> described it i i don't know why it ruffles people's feathers so much just to discuss extended full of chokes and why they may not be the best for duck hunting what 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 are your thoughts did jordan slant that a little bit yeah, I mean, I think that, that uh, I mean, I shoot a modified choke. Um, occasionally, I'll shoot a, a skeet choke if we're in the timber and they're, you know, they're working in super duper close. Uh, you know, a long range choke to me is, is uh, something you do for turkey hunting. In fact, I don't even shoot a super long range for turkey hunting. I shoot a pull choke because, you know, to me, it's all about getting them in close anyways, even for the turkeys. And so I, I don't care nothing about making long range shots, uh, you know we do have guys that come hunting with us that want to, you know, have long range chokes and they're, they're ready to shoot ducks at 40 or 50 yards. And, 
you know, number one, I don't care nothing about doing that. Number two, you know, you, if you have this false sense of I can shoot a duck at a long way away, then you're going to more likely than not be crippling a bunch of birds. And that's, that's no good. Yeah. I, I, well said, well said. And those of you that are listening, if you want to hear this little quick conversation we had about me um, causing someone to flee from Fellowship of the Duck Guns <laughs> Facebook page, you can check us out on YouTube at Duck Gun Chronicles for our video version of this podcast. So I don't know. Jordan's always putting me in the worst light possible. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying the... that the ductator doesn't let anything slip in Fellowship <laughs> of the Duck Gun. <laughs> <laughs> So the dictator is a play on like the dictator somehow. And I don't know how Jordan came up with that, I guess, because I do have some certain set beliefs of around how far you should and shouldn't shoot waterfowl at. So, and we've discussed that. <laughs> I'm before. But anyway, let's, I'm let's still get, waiting oh, on the drawing. I'm still waiting on the drawing of Elliot as the dictator, either as like a potato or a tater tot. <laughs> What if it? What if I have my wife do it and she includes a little Hitler stash? Would yeah. that be appropriate or inappropriate? It's probably be inappropriate, but that would be right up your alley. So, see, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't. I mean, see, Jordan's a millennial, and around millennials, you can't say anything that might hurt their little senses. You can't disagree with anything, or they need their little safe space. Is so. this what where people say, "Okay, boomer"? <laughs> I don't know what that oh. means. That's probably because I'm not a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what OK Boomer is? You haven't heard of that one? Uh, yeah, boomer, Boomers are, are like 70-year-old people. Oh, okay. That's from the, the baby, baby Boomer generation after World War II. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's that old? Yeah. Yeah. It's even like late 70s because my parents, if you call them baby boomers, they get offended. Again, they're 74 and 75 because the baby boomers were kind of hippie generation. And my parents detest detested that generation. So if you call them baby boomers, because they were both alive during World War II. So a baby boomer was, you know, when the guys came home from war, they had a lot of pent up um, energy. And so they made a yeah. lot of babies. <laughs> mm. So... Yeah. So you're not a baby. anyway. I'm ge I'm Generation X. That's what you are too, right, Joel? Generation X. Yeah. 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 Mm. Which is a decent generation. It was the last good, <laughs> healthy, solid generation. You know. <laughs> so. So anyway, let's let's get on to uh, talk more with Joel. Joel, give us a little overview. I know Jordan just hit it real quick, but kind of just a bullet point of the major things that you've got that you're involved in. And then we'll go back and we'll kind of go through them one by one and, and talk a little bit more uh, about your life and kind of the big accomplishments. Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm working film and television production is kind of my day gig. Most of the year, uh, make television commercials, uh, episodic TV shows, um, promotional videos and all kinds of stuff. Um, and then when it comes to duck season, that's typically been a, a very slow time of the year for my business. And so I kind of like it that way because then I go duck hunting. And so uh, off and on throughout my whole year, my whole life, I've, you know, since I've been an adult, I've guided, uh, you know, duck hunters and that sort of thing. In the last nine years, I've been doing it full time uh, at Cypress Crossing. And, you know, so that's my part of November, all of December and January gig. 
uh, there. And then, you know, have the YouTube channel Surviving Duckies, and also have another YouTube channel that's called Mr. Producer Sir. And so I've got some parodies and um, music videos and things like that, um, personal projects that, that go on that one as well. And so that's kind of, uh, in a nutshell, uh, what I do. Yeah, and I don't know, Jordan, I don't think you've seen them. I'm not sure. I, I should have sent you the links. When Joel was up here, um, he showed me a few of his parody videos on, um, what's it, Mr. Producer? Mr. Producer, sir. Mr. Producer, sir. And they're kind of like um, hunting parody videos. And, and who's the artist in in most of them? Or it, Yeah, it, it's Kevin Blake Weldon is the guy's name, and his label is called Funny Hunting Songs. That's kind of what he calls his music he's got like four albums and we've done quite a few music videos for them and they are hilarious there's there's one where this girl gets mad at her boyfriend and and breaks up with him and the whole video is about how she went out and shot this buck that he'd been stalking for years and he's crying through it and it's hilarious if you guys want make sure and go check that out that mr producer shirt because it is really really funny high quality stuff um, when Joel gets to editing, man, he is absolutely a complete pro with it. It's it's phenomenal stuff. So, Joel, what, talk to us about how you got into duck hunting, or I don't know if you did any more, if you started out waterfowl hunting or if there was other hunting involved. Just kind of go through your hunting life and how you got to this point. Yeah. So uh, I did not grow up hunting as far as like a little kid. My dad was not a hunter. Um, but all of both my grandfathers and all of my uncles on both sides were big hunters. And every time we go visit and, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving, all that kind of stuff, we, you know, the uncles and cousins and stuff would all be talking about hunting. And so I got taken on a deer hunting trip when I was, I don't know, like maybe 12 or 13, kind of went along for the ride. And then I decided I wanted to kind of try it out. So I went deer hunting. And uh, I was talking with some friends about deer hunting at school. Uh, I was probably maybe, I guess I was 14. And uh, one of my buddies was a big duck hunter. And he said, man, you need to come go duck hunting with us. You know, and, and I, my concept of a duck at that point, you know, it, I just never thought about going duck hunting. I lived in Little Rock, you know, Arkansas. And, but it's big, big deal. But I never really thought about going duck hunting. And so I'm just thinking about pond, pond ducks, you know, and like, okay and and so my buddy uh, invited me to go with him uh, that fall we went uh, to a, a public hunting area called uh, Biomeda Wildlife Management Area which is probably the most famous uh, public hunting area in Arkansas it's about 40,000 acres of flooded timber it doesn't all flood probably about close to 30,000 of it does, does flood when it's at full stage um and man it is uh it's it, at that time that was in the 80s that was like in 1984 85 and uh you know there wasn't a lot of people in there that you had to worry about getting you know getting in the way and all that uh in fact it's funny that that it's probably less than a mile from where i took you duck hunting uh elliot when you were down here last month um from the very spot that i sh shot my first duck and so that on that first duck hunting trip we went on, uh, we my buddy picked me up at my house in Little Rock at 7 a.m. Okay, it's an hour and a half drive down there to Stuttgart to that to that hunting area. And I'm thinking, well, I thought you're supposed to go early. And he said, well, we go in there in the middle of the morning after you know the first guys who come in to shoot, they come out and we're walking in when they walk out. I'm like, okay, so we walked into the flooded timber and uh, got to the spot 
We didn't carry any decoys with us. My buddy didn't even know how to call. He's like 16. I'm like 14, 15 years old. And uh, we walk into the spot. We get there, and he says, okay, we're, we're here. He said, stand up next to a tree and keep your face down when the ducks start working. I'm like, okay. And uh, within just a few minutes, ducks started flying. He started kicking the water, and the ducks started falling all around us and through the trees. And we shot a couple of times each and killed our limit. And we were walking out of there in like 15 minutes. And I was wow. hooked. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Rest of your life changed. <laughs> that changed my life forever. <laughs> that's crazy. So no decoys, no calling. Is that the way you nope. still hunt? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> if it was that easy all the time, we wish, right? Nah, no kidding. So from that point, um, progress was four in your life and and go run up to how you got into making a, a television show for the Outdoor Channel. Was it Outdoor Channel or Outdoor Network? It was on the Outdoor Channel. Mm-hmm. Outdoor Channel. And tell us a little bit about that show and and uh, what it was about and how you got there. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I got into photography and shooting film uh, when I was in high school. The very first video cameras came out when I was probably a senior in high school, I guess. I don't remember exactly. Um, But we were shooting on 8-millimeter motion picture film. Uh, I helped the football team and shot films for the football games. I I did all kinds of stuff like that. And and so I was very, very interested in, in all that sort of thing. I, I got a job working for a local production company um, after school when I was in high school. And uh, I just, you know, as I got a little bit older, you know, when I was 18, I graduated from, uh, or I, was, I guess I graduated when I was 17. And, and in that next year, uh, when I was going to college, I went to college locally in Little Rock uh, at the University of Arkansas in Little Rock. Uh, I also took a job uh, took a job with the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission and worked in their I and E department and did video production um, with a couple of other guys. And so I just thought it would be so cool if I could put together somehow hunting and video, make a TV show, that sort of thing. And and so you know I did a little bit of that sort of thing when I was working at the Game and Fish Commission. Uh, that that went on for a couple of years, but I, I just had a dream of wanting to do an outdoor show. And at the time, you know, it, in the late '80s, early '90s, there was not that much stuff out there for hunting. There was fishing that you could see on TV, but not a lot of hunting. And so, probably about '92, um, I met a few guys that a lot older than me. I was, you know, 21, 22 years old. I met some old, some guys that were older than me that worked in radio, that worked in uh, newspaper, you know, magazine writers, that sort of thing. And, uh, we kind of collaborated a little bit and decided we wanted to try to do an out, uh, an outdoor show. And so we began shooting footage of turkey hunting and duck hunting and deer hunting. And, and that kind of went on for a few years. And, uh, and then at one point I went to the shot show, which is, uh, a, a an outdoor trade show for professionals in the, in the outdoor industry, um, it's for uh, big companies that are selling their products and then stores that, you know, local mom and pop stores or whatever um, send representatives to that show. And they come and look at, you know, whatever is available, the newest hunting and hunting products and outdoor products. And so I went to that because I knew that there was, um, you know, 
uh, people that were representatives of some of the networks at the time, the only networks that you could see outdoor television on um, on a national you know basis was TNN, the national network, and then ESPN. And and so I knew that they, what, those what guys. What year was this? About? That would have been ninety six, nineteen ninety six. Yeah. And so I I called and talked with a guy named Dave Barton with uh, the, with TNN, and and I asked him if he's going to be at the shot show, and which I knew he was going to be there, and and he says yes. And I said I'd like to come visit with you um, about a television program, uh, and I've got a little pilot that I put together for it, and. Uh, would you be interested in sitting down with me? And he said, sure, that would be fine. And so I took my little videotape. Listen, I, I, I could talk for like an hour and a half on the story, so I'll, I'll try to cut it short. But basically, I wound up sitting down talking with him, showed him um, a little 10-minute video of what the show concept was. And he said, man, this thing is, in, this is an incredible idea. And the name of it was Adventure by Outdoors. And it was a magazine format outdoor show, which – you know, at the time, a magazine format was a fairly popular type of format in mainstream television, but not in outdoors. Um, this was in the time when, you know, Ducks Unlimited had their own television show. You know, you had Buckmasters, you had Mossy Oak, you had Realtree had their own show. There's really maybe maybe six or eight hunting shows and then probably a little bit, a few more than that in fishing shows. And that was really all that you could see. And it only came on on Saturdays and Sundays. And so, but nobody was really doing a magazine format show except Hank Parker, and his was all fishing. And so, uh, well, let me stop I, you for you something. Know, Can you give yeah. a little detail on what you mean by a magazine format show? Yeah, magazine format show means you got a bunch of different segments that are kind of encapsulated in, you know, uh, you know, this segment is a tip segment. This segment is a hunting you know, segment in whatever, duck hunting segment. And then this segment is going to be a cooking segment. And gotcha. then this segment is a, you know, like behind the scenes at a whatever, you know, this is how they make, you know, a duck call or whatever, that kind of thing. And so every show was not just 30 minutes of a hunt. It would be, you know, lots of different things. And so that was very intriguing to the network because nobody would really done that for a hunting show at the time. And so, so I pitched them the idea. They said, we love it. Um, and we want to get back with you uh, and kind of talk about how we do this. And so a couple of weeks later, I get a call from Dave Barton. He said, man, he said, we want to buy your show, except we just got bought by, bought out by Viacom and uh, that, that owned, that owned uh, MTV network and a bunch of other companies and, you know, other uh, television networks and stuff like that. And he said, we're not, we're no longer buying uh, TV shows. We are now going to be selling the, the time to the to the net, you know, from the network to the producers, and it's going to cost you a million dollars a year. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be doing that. <laughs> so, but he said the uh, Outdoor Channel is going to be launching, and it's going to be 24/7 hunting and fishing, and you need to talk to these people. And he gave me the the executive vice president's name and phone number. And uh, I called and visited with them and they were launching that fall. And so, you know, we got into, we went into production and, you know, had a sweet, sweet deal with them and kind of went on from there. The, the show, uh, twofold, uh, you know, the idea that, that we had in, in bringing the show out was number one to, to, you know, show our passion, love for the outdoors and, and 
doing it in a high quality way because that's what my background in is, is you know film and television production not just a couple of guys with camcorders that can go out there and you know shoot video i mean it was something that was you know very well done very high quality we had really nice expensive cameras all that kind of stuff but then at the same time we also wanted to tell people how that we see you know how the lord you know is in nature and in the outdoors and and that's a big part of, you know, of what we did through Adventure Outdoors. It was a faith-based show. It was the very first one of its kind. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, every show we had a little, what we called a spiritual nugget uh, that we would talk about a specific aspect of something that may have happened within the program and then how it relates to, you know, what God thinks about something or how, you know, it would point people to the Lord. That's fantastic. Um you know, you and I, when you were here in Kansas City, we talked a lot about your show on the Outdoor Channel. I just find it so fascinating. And and since that time, and since you got out of it, you made the switch from the more traditional TV shows and started your own YouTube channel. So can you kind of give your thoughts on kind of the waterfowl production TV shows versus YouTube and and why you felt like it's, it was a better idea for you to move to YouTube and off of traditional TV? Yeah, I mean, you know, television, uh, first of all, the outdoor television market has been eroding for years. I mean, it, like, like I, I, started, I was telling you before, you know, the television producers buy the time from the network. It's the, it's the only, um, that's the only business model in, in television that I know of that does that every pretty much all the networks buy the programs from the studios and the network or, and the uh, producers and instead of the other way around. And so it, it sets, it sets up the whole, um, you know, television deal to be, it's just very flawed because it, it makes, it makes producers, kind of you know make their shows into infomercials that's why everybody's sponsoring this and oh i couldn't have done it without this product and blah 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 and, and we all had to do that i i tried my very best to make it more applicable to a storyline and not just be you know just screaming out names of product all the time but uh you know so that that started very early i got out of doing full-time outdoor programming i, I produce a bunch of programs i produce stuff for for the NRA, I produced, you know, uh, stuff for Drake and I did work with, you know, Mojo and, and, and a lot of those waterfowl shows. And I just kind of got out of it because I couldn't make a living doing it, number one. And, and a lot of it is just simply because, you know, that uh, this, the market was eroded with, with so many people trying to do it that just wanted to be on TV and they would throw their money at it for a year or two and then they'd figure out that they can't make any money at it and they quit. And, you know, the only ones that were left are the companies that, you know, are trying to sell products. And then they, you know, the, the Mossy Oaks and Realtrees and those kind of companies that, you know, can afford to, to market their products by having their own show. And so, you know, I, I just, I really have had a passion to do it, you know, since I was a little kid, you know, sharing what we see and what we do and what we love, you know, to the masses and, you know, telling, Telling stories—that's what I love to do. I love to, to you know, tell stories through through films and videos, and you know, even talking about it, I guess. But uh, you know, so 
when you know I, I looked at YouTube, um, you know, I, I sat in a bunch of meetings in, in at some different conferences and stuff, you know, just mainstream type deals, and and the, all the professionals were telling us ten years ago that television is going to slowly be going away anyway, and we need to figure out how to start distributing our our you know projects online, and YouTube was something that you know a lot of people were talking about back back then. It it, it never. For me, YouTube was never a, a viable option for the type of projects and productions that I worked on because I just felt like, you know, coming from the standpoint, I, I felt like I was going to have to be dumbing down what I did too much. You know, how can mm -hmm. I afford to have $50,000 cameras, you know, making videos that, you know, when everybody else is using their iPhones and using little $500 cameras and stuff like that, you know? And so, I, you know, that's kind of the perspective that I had all, you know, for a long time. And finally, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I started, you know, I, I came up with the idea with surviving duck season. I thought, I, I, I think that people would be interested in, you know, hearing some things that, you know, that we, you know, things that we know, we teach people some things about duck hunting because you, you just, you know, you look at some of these message boards on, uh, you know, or, you know, Facebook groups and all that people are talking about, you know, complaining about this and that asking questions about this and that. And a lot of people just aren't getting good information. And so I thought, you know, maybe I can, uh, maybe I can bring out a channel and kind of help people understand some things that we know. I mean, I don't claim to be a know-it-all about anything. I know what I know. And I know what works for me. And, and, you know, just because it works for me here, where I hunt doesn't necessarily mean it works for everybody everywhere else, but at least I can share what works for me. And that's kind of what we've decided to do along with, you know, kind of talking about what we do to survive duck season because we hunt every single day. Um, you know, and I've done that for a lot of my life, you know, duck hunt, um, not just during the 60 days of Arkansas season, but also I travel to other States, you know, before our season opens. And when we have our splits, I'll, go to you know somewhere else and, and do that then and so you know what is the grind that, that everybody talks about you know i mean there there may be a grind if you hunt two days a week but there's really a grind when you hunt every single day of the week and being a duck hunting guide you know you you it's your job you gotta go even if it's not going to be good or even if you're worn out and tired and didn't get any sleep last night you're not sleeping in and so we thought it'd be great to show some of those things and show some great hunts and show some, you know, perspectives to, you know, from some other people that do, you know, do what I do in other parts of the country. And so that's kind of what we've set out to do with surviving duck season. Real quick. On and it's, the... it's growth rate is much faster than, than most waterfowl YouTube channels. So you're doing an excellent job with it. Well, thank you. Real quick on the, on the guiding aspect you're talking about there. And that's, that's pretty crazy, you know, thinking about hunting every single day. Um, and I had mm -hmm. a lot, but I don't hunt every single day. Um, so um, as far as guiding goes on that, are you guiding every single day then? Or do you take days where you get to hunt yourself? Um, and then kind of two-pronged question. You said you travel a bit before season um, and during your splits. Is that travel to guide other places or are you getting on some uh, um, duck hunting trips there? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, just – mainly going hunting just for the fun of it uh, i'm not guiding anywhere else other than than what i do in arkansas um but i just you know i went to alaska um back this earlier in the fall and 
Uh, last year I went to Cape Cod and went sea duck hunting there and, and, uh, I went, I, I went, you know, with Elliot to Kansas back at the beginning of the Kansas season. And, and so, you know, just different places. I went to Texas last year. Um, yeah, I've, I've hunted, I've duck hunted in, I think 40 states and then mm, six, prov- seven provinces, six provinces of Canada. Um, oh, and uh, Mexico, Mexico haven't done the, the Argentina thing. I'd like to do that. Um, but anyway, to, to, uh, uh, to answer your question though, about the hunting every day of duck season. Yes. I, I guide, I guide every day of Arkansas season. Uh, there's a few days near the beginning of the season. We don't normally book up every day of our first split, which is it runs be- right before Thanksgiving through the Thanksgiving weekend. So it's like 10 days in there. And uh, we don't always, we don't you know, usually guide people on Thanksgiving because most people aren't, aren't traveling to go do that. Then um, there's a few days in there that we don't book up just because early season can be dicey and we don't like to, you know, to uh, book it in if, if we don't feel like it's going to be a good, you know, good chance that we're going to do well. Um, so we usually leave a lot of dates open and only book about maybe five or six days of the first 10 days of the season. Um, but other than, and so we, you know, we'll buddy hunt with, between us guides and stuff, uh, you know, on, on some of those other days, if we've got a place to hunt that we feel like we're not going to be burning it up too much. And occasionally we may not be totally booked up at our lodge where, you know, we may not need four guides to, to, to hunt. And so sometimes I'll jump in with one of the other groups and we'll hunt with them. And, and sometimes we'll, you know, me and one of the guys or me and a buddy will go out and just hunt a different spot and kind of you know, check out a spot and see how it's going to do if we've never hunted an area you know, or a particular blind. Just kind of, we get some new, because we get new places every year. We'll, we added a, like 900 acres to our um, our deal this year. And so, you know, it's a learning uh, process to kind of figure out how some of those places hunt. So we, we do a little bit of that. But, you know, I mean, people ask me that question all the time, especially, you know, people that have never hunted with us before. They ask me about that. You know, do you, do you, uh, do you get to hunt on your own? Do you know, do you have to hunt, get the guide every day? I, I'll be honest with you. My entire hunting career since I've been, since my early twenties, I've kind of been a guide. Even when I wasn't being paid, I've, I've, I've always been the guy that had a duck call and a dog and a boat and the place to go to. And, and everybody else that went with me would kind of look to me as the leader and they would let me call the shots and call the ducks and work the dog and all that. And so, you know, even if I wasn't really being paid to be a guide, it kind of was a guide because I was taking my buddy, showing him how to duck hunt. And, and so that's fun for me. That's, I mean, I don't have to pull the trigger. I mean, sure, that's fun, but it's fun for me to take people on experiences and show them a good time and show them how you can work ducks in close and get them to land and, you know, geese and get those suckers to, you know, come right in and land at your feet. And, uh, you know, it's, the joy to me is blowing the duck call and working my dog. You know, that's, that's what does it for me. So for the course of a season, cause I know when I, when I was with you, it seems like you, you have your gun with you and you do a lot of cleanup and cripple kills. Do you ever just have days you're like, Oh my gosh, I wish today I could just unload and shoot on these great passes we're getting. Do you ever have that emotion? Yeah. I mean, and I do sometimes, you know, I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, I, I, I let, I let the customer shoot. Um, most of them ask me to shoot, encourage me to shoot too. And I do sometimes, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I don't know. I think the first 
six or seven days I duck hunted this year, I think I shot like five shells, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay, you know, but, but it, you know, if, if, uh, if we're having a decent day or if there's a great big bunch of birds coming in, I'm going to jump in there and do it too. I mean, why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so mostly, cause I know when I was there and I was filming with you, uh, or I was filming too, I, I, to me, it's a balance of when do I pick up the shotgun? When do I video? And so in my thought, what I wanted to do was if there's, you know, one, two or three ducks, let the rest of the group take it. But if we had, you know, a little bigger group, then that's when I was going to try to jump in and pull the trigger. Is that kind of your same thinking a little bit? Yeah. I mean, and I watch what the, what happens too, you know, I mean, uh, most of the time, I mean, everybody wants to see ducks fall, you know, I mean, sure. Guys want to shoot and shoot a duck. I, I want to kill a duck, you know, and, and granted that's true, but a lot of guys, they can't hit them. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I watch the first, you know, couple of volleys and see what happens. And, you know, sometimes I think, well, I'm going to need to help. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we, we, I don't get into this, well, I'm going to shoot your limit. I mean, that's illegal. We don't do that. I mean, but I'm going to, I'm going to shoot and make a few ducks fall. Right. And sure. if I know that sure. they're not hitting them, they, they know I'm hitting them. They know I'm shooting too. You know, they see it. And they said, did you hit that duck? Yeah. <laughs> and said, well, that's okay. You're going to hit them anyway, you know? And, and, and it helps, you know, I mean, I think most people's problem is they try to shoot too fast. They, they don't take their time because they're so worried about their buddy is going to shoot before they do that they rush their shot. I mean, we talked about this, Elliot, you know, before yeah. you and I did, but I think that, 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 that's, you know, you, if, if the ducks are really doing like we want them to, and they're really kind of finishing, you got more time than you think you do. And often, you know, when I'm shooting with, with, with my buddies or shooting with the group that's hunting with us, you know, I don't have to be the first guy to shoot even on one duck because there's a lot of times everybody with, or they, you know, or they, they shoot and, and, and kind of hit it a little bit. And then I'll, okay, bow and I finish it off, you know, because everybody's run out of shells. So it's okay to be that guy. I mean, you know, if you got a bunch of sharpshooters in there, you know, I mean, if, if I'm taking all my God, if me and all my God buddies are going hunting, then, you know, you're going to have to be Johnny on the spot or you're not going to get to shoot. <laughs> so, so here's yeah. a question about, uh, um, having Elliot out there. I know he was out there recently. Um, and I kind of asked him this as well in one of the YouTube comments, but um, was it pretty easy to to rein Elliot in? I know he's used to being in control as the ductator. So, um, did you have any? <laughs> did you have any trouble controlling him while he was in the blind with you? Uh, you know, not not at all. I mean, you know, he, he. In fact, I mean, I most of the a lot of the time when when guys come hunting with us for the first time that then and they are duck hunters. You know, they have the impulse of wanting to pull out their duck call and which is, you know, I mean, it's it, it, as long as it doesn't hurt what we're doing, then that's fine. I was expecting him to pull his call and, that, and not that I was going to be, I was worried about it, but I mean, he never pulled his call. I don't guess you ever pulled your call at one time. Did you, Elliot? No. Uh-uh. Yeah. I mean, you meant, I know you mentioned, he's like, you know, I'm kind of enjoying sitting back and not having to call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't mind at all. I, you know, I figured this is their show. I know what my role is. My role is to sit there and just either pull the trigger or video that. And I yeah. was perfectly content and make sure that if there's work to be done, I'm helping with that, which is always nice when you have people with you. And and I know you don't expect your customers to do that, but at the same time, if you're there and there's work to be done, everyone does a good job of jumping in and doing yeah. it. So yeah, but great, great question, Jordan. 
<laughs> so I, I want to jump back a little bit to the topic of TV versus YouTube um, mm-hmm. and ask you one ask you one more question about that. So, um, you know, you've got a lot more people cutting the cable. I, I cut cable probably 10 years ago. So I don't I don't even know if there is still viable waterfowl shows on cable or if there's any popular ones or not. What do you feel like that hunting videos on or hunting TV shows are, are they completely dead? Or are they just dying? Now I know meat eaters still been a popular one, but um, do you, con- do you consider them dead or dying? And wh- where are you at with, with that? Or where are we at? Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, here's the, here's the reality. Okay. Uh, there are, you know, the outdoor channel and sportsman's channel, are the two probably most watched networks that have hunting programs on. Um, they still garner a lot of eyeballs, but they're, it's nothing like it used to be, not even close. I mean, we, we would get a million to 1.1 million um, eyeballs, not eyeballs, viewers. You know, everybody's got two eyes. Most people do, so more than that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we'd have a, we'd have a million-plus viewers in 95, six, seven, you know, kind of thing when it was on TNN and on ESPN. And that's um, per season? That was, no, per day, per viewing. Per day. That's yeah. a ton. Yeah. And so that was when you had like eight hours of hunting shows in a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maximum between two networks. And so you know, then when the outdoor channel came on, then they were scrambling trying to fill up the network. And so uh, then, it, it, you know, at that point, everybody was making a show and you had four or five good shows and 50 horrible shows. But what it did was it took eyeballs away from some of the stuff that was on TNN and ESPN. And and over the years, we've had more networks pop up that have, you know, outdoor programming, blah, blah, blah. And it's still the same 1.1 million viewers. But mm-hmm. instead of them all being focused on one show, there's only one show that's on that has hunting on it at this time of the day. On Saturday morning at 930 in the morning, you're watching, you know, the World of Ducks Unlimited. That's it. There's, you can't find a hunting show anywhere else. That's it. So that's why you got a million people watching it. But then, you know, fast forward five, six, seven, eight, ten years, you know, into like 2004, 2005, you know, we were pulling, you know, 150 to 200,000 on a Tuesday night, which was pretty good, you know. But that's a fourth of what it was seven or eight years before that. And then as, you know, as it keeps going, you know, the, the more time and the more places that people can watch content in other ways, the less people are viewing, you know, these, these shows. And so to answer your question in a long, roundabout way, you know, is it viable? I think it's kind of viable, but, but you know, as we look at, you know, and I had this, I had this conversation with Hank Parker a couple months ago, and we talked about this, because he's, he's been on television for 35 or so years, you know, and he's like been booking this. I got to stay on TV. Well, he's like picking my brain about this YouTube thing now. He's like, you know, it's like we, uh, you know, 
we're not getting the views. We can't get the revenue from sponsors. They're not wanting to pay us because we don't have the same kind of numbers that we used to have, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, yeah, that's why I'm not doing that anymore. And so the YouTube thing, you know, basically it's free except for your production costs and traveling and all that. So you're not having to pay to be on it on the thing. And you get revenue from, you know, whatever the different, you know, methods you can. If you're trying to sell stuff to and point people to a website, you got that opportunity. And, you know, to be quite honest, I mean, I told Hank, I said, look, so you've been on for 35 years and you've had millions and millions of views on your content from your fishing show and your hunting shows that you've done over the years. But you look at some of these guys on YouTube and they're getting millions of views, you know, in just a short amount of time and they i mean some of these guys have more and i'm talking about just in the hunting stuff you know have got more views in the last two or three years than he's got in his whole 35 year career Mm -hmm. i said so you know that to me answers the question of it what's the viability i mean now you know me sitting where i'm at with my little youtube channel i've got like i don't know 7500 subscribers or something you know i'm not pulling a zillion views yet but but I think my potential is way better than trying to get up and going on a television show, you know, and, and, I, and, and I love the, it's, it's so different, you know, because I mean, and I'm, and I'm fighting the, the whole, you know, polished production thing, you know, and it's, you know, having a cameraman and stuff like that. I mean, of course I got to have a cameraman to a degree because I'm, I'm guiding the duck, I'm guiding duck hunters. I can't like be holding the camera and blowing a duck call and working my dog and, pulling a jerk cord and <laughs> all that stuff but um you know but it, it, it's it's hard for me to to kind of get out of that mold that i've been fitted into about making a television show and doing it more of more vloggy style and and all that but i, I really love have the the interaction is so much different uh you know with with interacting with the with the viewers and and you know comment sections and and, you know, kind of talking to more like just my buddy there watching rather than kind of being a polished television personality, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really interesting. And on YouTube, you can, we've talked about this before, you don't have to spend so much money with the production. And I mean, yeah. you just, you know, YouTube viewers, um, a lot of them really are kind of looking for, the relationship side of it. And that sounds kind of weird. I, I guess I mean, um, it's a two, it's a back and forth YouTube, you know, you can interact with the viewers and they get to know you personally and versus TV. It's more just from one side out and YouTube's just a whole totally different animal. And people are willing to watch um, low, lower production stuff on YouTube. If you put some of the stuff on YouTube on T on TV, I don't think anyone would watch it because when you watch TV, you expect, this high quality HD and, you know, you, you get people on YouTube and they're, they're what they're willing to sit down and watch and enjoy. It's just a different mindset, I think too. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I, I I do it because, you know, it's my passion. I, I love storytelling. I love, you know, showing people's, cool stuff and and you know i love writing and and all that you know to kind of go along with it and and it's a great outlet i mean you know i wish i could do it a full time because i would if i could but 
you know, it's, but you know, it's, it's just, it's something that's, it's a lot more than I thought it was going to be. It's a lot different than I thought it was going to be. Um, I have morphed, you know, my original ideas into something different and, you know, you know, trying to change things up and following what people like and what, you know, listen to their comments and kind of respond in, in that way. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool, cool deal. And I, you know, I, it, I'd never thought, I mean, you know, if you asked me two or three years ago, if I, if I thought I would be doing this, I'm like, what? <laughs> but it's, mm-hmm, it's, it's yeah. great. I love it. And those of you that are listening, um, if you, if you listen to the podcast at all, I gave an in-depth description of my trip down to Cypress Crossing with Joel. It's a couple of podcasts back um, from this one. So if you want to really hear me go in depth with it, um, you can listen to that podcast or on my YouTube channel. Um, I had three hunts when I was down in Arkansas with Joel. And if you want to see what those hunts were like on my YouTube channel, Freelance Duck Hunting, I've got day one, day two, day three, where I also tried to show some of the lodge, some of the meals um, that are, and actually Joel is the chef at Cypress Crossing. So if you would like to go and hunt with Joel, have him prepare food for you, stay at the lodge, have this whole Arkansas duck club experience. It's cypresscrossingduckclub.com. Uh, do you guys still have openings for this year or is it booked out? Would people be talking next year? Yeah, we're, we're booked up all the way to the end of the season. We've only got a couple more weeks left, uh, but we, you know, we'll be booking for next year. So if somebody's interested, absolutely will check us out, cypresscrossingduckclub.com. And I would say, I mean, I am a public duck hunter to the core. That is the heart and soul of who I am and what I do. So my experience with you guys was just like stepping. It was the same sport, but it was a different world for me. Um, And I will say I enjoyed every minute of it. And my wife and I had such a fantastic time. And it wasn't just the duck hunting. It's the sitting around the lodge, hanging out with guys you don't know, watching football in the afternoon. The whole experience, I just, man, it was so much fun. And and even if you're a public land duck hunter, I wish I could do that every single year. If I could book a trip down there with you guys every single year, I would, I'd sign up immediately because it's just, it's, and it's fun to see how people do things differently and just the, the experience of that side of things versus mine. So uh, I, they, you guys have a fan. It's like a well-oiled machine the way it runs, really. I mean, with the hunt, then breakfast, then just kind of lounge around sometimes an afternoon hunt, then dinner. And it's just, I mean, you guys run that thing. So it's such, such, an, such an organized operation. Well, if, it, if we didn't have it organized, I think we would all be like, the looney tunes i mean you kind of have to if you're doing it every day right it's probably almost like groundhog day the movie groundhog day for you though i mean because those days are exactly the same minus how the ducky hunting goes (laughs) i can tell you this and that's that's something that that my wife and i have talked about for years it's like every day it's like groundhog day and and you, you know it's like i mean it's like literally every day i mean from you know, getting up, get the dog ready, put her in the truck, head over to the lodge, pick the guys up and all that. And then, and then when the guys get in, it's like, you're having the exact same conversation every day. <laughs> I mean, it's like, they ask the same questions. It's like, I could just have some flashcards, you know, 
set them on the dash and just start <laughs> handing them out because I know what they're going to ask. How's the hunting been? Where are we going? What's it like? How deep's the water? What kind of ducks you shoot? You know, it's just like, you know, and then on and on and on. <laughs> and how many times do you talk to people about the proper way to cook duck? Because I know you had a long conversation. Oh. I bet you have that conversation twice a week. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time we cook duck, then I've got like an audience. like, Or or the next day after they had the duck dish, because we cook the duck dish for most groups that come in. Most Most groups come in, they'll stay like three days. And, and we try our very best, as long as there's not too many overlaps, we try to plan it where everybody gets to have the duck dish because everybody loves that that thing that we do. But anyway, either while I'm preparing it or after, you know, like the next day, people are in the blind, they go, man, what the heck did you do? You know, and we then then we we're giving lessons out. So we, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. I love helping people because I want, I want everybody to love to eat duck because, you know, we're out there. I mean, there's so many people. That they go duck hunting and they don't like to eat duck. And, you know, I mean, we can go on about that too for a long time. But, I mean, don't overcook your duck. You make it taste like liver. Most people don't like liver. So that's why they don't like duck. (laughs) Well, hey, you got my wife to not just eat duck, but to really, really like it. So that's, I mean, you win win the gold star for that one. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We actually, uh, I tried to get her to eat duck as well when we did our teal hunting in the um, in September, and she wouldn't touch it. So whatever you did was <laughs> must have been magic. Yeah. Prepare it like you do a steak. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. And and Jordan, the the steaks that they slapped on our plate the last night that I was there were so big that we were actually making fun of the one guy that finished his steak. <laughs> it was huge. <laughs> So how, how can it be that? I actually snuck mine back into the room. Uh, I didn't want to see. I didn't want to throw it away. So I snuck it back into my room in napkins. <laughs> uh, awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I think probably right now is a, a good point to go ahead and wrap it up. But we really appreciate you coming on, Jewel, and sharing a lot of your insight from uh, the Arkansas uh, Duck Hunting Guide Live to the um, the television industry and how that's kind of differed through the ages or the ages. Wow. <laughs> Make it sound like it's forever, but through the years. Um, but yeah, any uh, closing words you'd like to say or as well, um, let people know where they can find you across social media. Yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on and I enjoyed visiting with you guys. I always love talking about, about hunting and, and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, you know, you guys can uh, check us out on Surviving Duck Season. We, we're on Facebook, and we're on, of course, the, uh, the YouTube channel. And uh, I am Mr. Producer Sir is my handle, and I also have a Mr. Producer Sir uh, YouTube channel as well. So y'all uh, look me up and uh, connect with me. Awesome. Any last words, Elliot? I just hope I can get you to come back out to Kansas next year dear joel where maybe we can get it on where it's not opening day that was really really fun and i felt like you just bonded with the whole golden boy and the whole crew immediately so i'm i'm hoping that maybe a little more often you might be wanting to come out to kansas i'd love to absolutely awesome awesome all righty folks i am jordan from duck gun chronicles elliot from freelance duck hunting and joel from surviving duck season and we'll see you guys next time